a thing that people need to look for is if you're ever asking yourself, what good am I doing in this job? What purpose am I serving by being here? How is this helping the world in any way? What is this doing to contribute to society or contribute in a way that's bigger than myself? Thomas Edison, Richard Branson, John F. Kennedy, Mozart, Michael Jordan, Will Smith. That sounds like a list of highly successful titans in a variety of vocations. Why is it that we rarely hear that they have or had ADHD? And you know what we hear even less about? Serena Williams, Emma Watson, Mel Robbins, Whoopi Goldberg, Agatha Christie, Aaron Brockovich, Cher. Yeah, the successful women navigating ADHD. And that's exactly why I started this podcast. ADHD for smart-ass women. I'm your host, Tracy Otsuka. I'm a lawyer, not a doctor, a lifelong student, now a coach. I'm also the creator of Your ADHD Brain is A-OK, a system that helps people like you figure out what they should do with their life. And we're here today to talk ADHD, your strengths, your symptoms, your workarounds, and how you proudly stand out instead of trying to fit in. I credit my ADHD for some of my greatest gifts. And you know what? I spy a happier life for you, too. So without further ado, a shiny new episode is starting now. Hello, I am your host, Tracy Atsuka. Thank you so much for joining me here for episode number 238 of ADHD for Smartass Women. I hope that you'll subscribe to this podcast. Hello, I am your host, Tracy Otsuka. Thank you so much for joining me here for episode number 237 of ADHD for Smartass Women. You know that my purpose is always to show you who you are and then inspire you to be it. And in the thousands of ADHD women that I've had the privilege of meeting, I've never met a one that wasn't truly brilliant. That's something, not one. And so for all of these reasons, I am just delighted to introduce you to Shell Mendelson. As a career coach and counselor of 30 plus years, Shell was trained by Richard Bowles. Did I pronounce that right, Shell? Yes, you did. Ah, author of What Color Is Your Parachute? And she specializes in supporting ADHD adults in building lasting, fully satisfying careers and businesses. Shell has a master's in vocational and career counseling and built her expertise on more than 35 years in the field of career counseling. In a former life, Shell worked as an accredited high school teacher, had many legal secretarial jobs, most of which she was fired from in her 20s. She worked in the field of vocational rehabilitation for 10 years, was an in-house career development instructor for UC Davis Extension, and Shell was also the founder and CEO of the international children's art franchise, Kids Art. 
Shell was born and raised in the San Francisco Bay Area, lived in several parts of California before marrying and moving to Texas, where she has lived for the past 25 years. She is currently in San Antonio and has a millennial-aged son and two beautiful grandchildren. Shell, welcome. And did I get all of that right? That was incredible. Thank you. Don't don't you sound amazing? I sound amazing. (laughs) So I've got a couple comments. You (laughs) gave us extension. That was the first place that I had my, that wasn't my first business, but my first kind of real big, big person business. I had an aerobics company through UC Davis extension because my undergrad was at UC Davis. And then kids art is that the the company where you would go into schools and kids would draw something and they could get note cards or That's mugs? It. That's it. Both my cat. So we paid for. Oh, kids I'm art. sorry. Let me let me correct that. Not the note cards or mugs. We actually uh-huh. did at the after school uh, drawing and art program, uh, which was different from that. Those were a lot. I think had to do with fundraisers mostly. But I don't no. remember. I still have them though. Oh, okay. Well, we we did the mugs too, but it was a little bit different. Different. Got it. Company. Yeah. Got it. So, Shell. Of course, we're going to talk all about career counseling and ADHD and the struggles with you know around career sometimes. But before that, you know, I always want to talk about your ADHD diagnoses. So, yes. can you tell me what were the circumstances? And just so you know, I use my handy dandy little. I don't know if you have one of these. Remarkable. It's where I keep all my notes and it's how I focus. So if I'm looking down and writing, it's not that I'm not listening. Oh, no problem. No problem. Um, No, I want to get one. I don't have one. (laughs) I want to get one. They're half price now. Oh my gosh. Okay. Just send me the link and I'm there. (laughs) (laughs) So the circumstances were, I was diagnosed in my fifties. So people tell me, uh, I was diagnosed late in life and they say they were in their 20s or 30s. I just yes. chuckle and go, okay, baby. <laughs> you don't know. You have no clue about living with it for as long as I did without being diagnosed. Essentially, what happened was I had a, a friend who is a therapist and her son was ADHD. Mm. It still <laughs> it doesn't go away. Yeah, he has it. Uh, at the time... We had known each other for many, many years. She, in fact, I worked for her as a voc rehab counselor at one point. Uh, and she sent me a book on ADHD out of the clear blue. And I was, we had never discussed it. She had never said anything to me about it. But she sends me this book. And in my mind, I'm thinking kids, right? Hyperactive yeah. children. And I just laughed. I didn't even open it. And I put it in a drawer somewhere and close the drawer. And then what happened after that was I was uh, the, I had founded kids art, which we can talk about a little bit maybe later, but when I, I worked with kids art for several years and it just became an albatross, which is part of my story about how I got my diagnosis. Really? Uh, I literally went off the path of doing what I loved to found this company, which was really a mission that lasted too long, mm. that I, I spent too much time in. I didn't have a plan B for getting out, and it became very difficult to manage, and I was undiagnosed. And I was one of those undiagnosed CEOs. Ask anybody who's ever tried to work for one of those. Yeah. 
right? <laughs> right. Not, not pleasant. So, I mean, I have a lot of regrets around that. <laughs> but I also, I think part of the reason it was so awful was that I was just miserable. I wasn't having fun. I wasn't doing, using uh, any of the skills that I liked using. I wasn't doing the kind of work I enjoyed doing. It was just literally putting out fires once it got past the creation. Many of which I'm sure you created. Yes. Well, I created the system that created the fires. So we had a system, Shell. We had a system. We did. It's a franchise. So you've got to have like Ah. everything has to be uh, organized and accessible. So I had a lot of people who helped me with that, obviously. But I was not happy doing the work anymore. I was miserable doing the work. And you know, I wasn't aware, I was undiagnosed, so I wasn't sure what was going on with me. All I knew is that when I'm not happy doing what I love, I am not the best person to be around. <laughs> and <laughs> you can, I had my, um, my staff coming to me going, uh, can you just try doing this a little bit different? You know, they, they tried to hint at things and I was very much this is my baby I know what I'm doing kind of thing so I was probably not the most pleasant but being miserable was what really where I really crashed and burned with the whole thing and it wasn't a pleasant ending but I did get out of it finally and at that point I was probably at my lowest point because I just couldn't understand why why things that happened the way they happened, why people were responding to me the way they did. And I went literally crawling to the bookshelf where I had this book sitting and I knew exactly where it was. I don't know why I did. It was maybe something telling me to go. I have no idea, but I literally went crawling to the bookshelf, pulled it off the bookshelf and started reading the checklist, which of course Many of us start out with a checklist and we check off three quarters of the or more of of the characteristics listed. And it was at that point that I just had the epiphany that a lot of people have when they realize that this isn't something that is just uh, something that they themselves are, are experiencing, which I thought, I thought I was alone. Nobody else had ADHD in the company that I created. Nobody. I was the only one. And I couldn't figure out how people did certain things or got certain things done. And I just couldn't get it. Just could, it just didn't work for me anyway. So at that point, once I had that realization, I went through all the emotional ups and downs, the relief, the grieving, the steps of grieving, the everything that you go through. And then I decided to get the professional diagnosis. And that's when I finally got the clarity. And the minute I walked in and started talking, she said, oh, yeah. <laughs> Duh, right? Duh. <laughs> she had ADHD. It was a... Uh, a nurse practitioner mm. and she had like a full uh she was in uh, based in Austin and she was she had a full practice of people with ADHD <laughs> she she just uh you know it takes one to know one she knew me right. who I was she recognized it like the second I walked in the door and it was that was it 
So, Shell, once you knew it was ADHD and you had the benefit of hindsight, what are some of the symptoms that you always wondered about, but now you recognize them as clearly, uh, duh, it was ADHD? Yeah, good question. Basically, I can list a whole bunch of them. <laughs> but some, some of the symptoms that probably I would put a little negative check on are forgetfulness, kind of spacing out at times, being disorganized except in my work and keeping my home reasonably presentable, but a lot of other things in my life are not as organized as I would like. Hyper focus on things I enjoy to the exclusion of others, getting spurts of energy and to do the things that I like to do. That's a good thing, mm -hmm. but employing lots of time wasters. Okay. Probably I can watch a little bit too much TV at times when I start to just shut down. When I shut down, that's what I do. Uh, maybe listen to too many podcasts, spend too much time focusing on politics and going down rabbit holes. Those yeah. are some of the things. Yeah. They're good. You know, if you're going to ask me about the good things, would you like me to list those as well? Well, I'm going to later. Okay. <laughs> I always <laughs> ask about those later. So were you diagnosed as combined type? No, I was not. It was all AD, all ADHD, every everything ADHD, not anxiety, not depression, mm -hmm. nothing like that. But do you have, um, are you hyperactive as well as inattentive? Well, when you say hyperactive, yeah, I, I'm always uh, lots of energy, lots of energy, and I'm I'm moving around really? a lot. And but I'm not. Uh, as a kid, I was pretty inattentive. You know, I would, okay. So that was my next question. What was Shell like as a, a girl? I was as a child. I was more of a loner. I would say I was very shy. Mm. I would. I don't even know how I got through school, but I managed to get a master's degree. So I'm sure a lot of people with ADHD are, can figure out how to do the education thing without learning much. And that's what happened to me. <laughs> because we're creative and we're problem solvers, right? Exactly. We know how to get it done, right? So, I, you know, I wasn't top of my class or anything, but of course I graduated from high school, went to college, got my, once I figured out what I wanted to do, got a master's in that. And that's when I really started to you know, move and shake. But as a child, um, I was lost. I think I was kind of one of the ones that kind of went between the cracks. Mm. And I used to, like I said, doodle a lot. I mean, I have this one doodle that I did over and over and over again, and it kept me sane somehow. It kept me from going crazy because I was so bored in school, so bored. Did you have um, problems socially with other kids? Did you have friends? And Yes, I always had friends, but I'm more of an introvert, so I always had good friends, like one, a few good friends, but not uh, typical introvert get energized in one-on-one -on -one small group situations yeah. versus like the crowd kind of thing. That was always me. You know, I did, I went to, I, I socialized quite a bit in high school, but it wasn't something that came easily to me. It, not at all. No. So you sounded uh, quite inattentive as a child, sort of in your head, daydreamy. Yes. A little spacey, much. but very much. There were areas or there were things, there were interests that you had that you loved, and then those you'd be like all in. Yes. Yes. It's also interesting because I think there's a huge population of us who 
during perimenopause and certainly menopause, all of a sudden the symptoms get so much worse. In fact, we may never have even considered ADHD. And, you know, if, I mean, for me personally, I, when I look back on my childhood, oh my gosh, I was so hyperactive. I was chatty. I was always getting in trouble for, you know, disrupting the class and other kids, but I got really good grades. And so the teachers, they kind of liked me, but it was like, okay, go sit over there. Right. Mm-hmm. But I was polite. And so everything was fine. It wasn't until perimenopause, I would say my, my mid to late forties where all of a sudden it was the inattentive type symptoms, you know, and working memory and focus that just got so bad. And I, just like you, I really saw that come about in business, in running a company, especially online business, right? Where there was so much to know and I was interested in knowing it all. And I would just be bouncing off the walls and frankly, just like you driving my employees crazy. So I'm curious if you can relate to that. Did it get worse in your fifties? Is that what was going on as well? Well, I, you know, I got the diagnosis right after I left KidsArt. So, because it was kind of my low, it was my lowest point of trying to figure out what the heck was going on. Because during that time, it was impacting everyone so much. And my business partners were uh, trying to sit me down and, and so that I'd listen to what they were saying. And I would just kind of blow them off a lot of the times. Like, oh, you know, I don't know what you're talking about. And they didn't, they would never have said you have ADHD because I don't, I don't think they recognize that in me, right. but they knew that there was something off for sure. Yeah. And uh, I could never explain it. I had no explanation for it. And it drove me crazy. And then when, when the crash and burn with the company came, then I just, that was when I, I said, okay, I've got to figure this thing out. And then I remembered back to when my friend sent me the ADHD book. Yeah. And you I remember asked, what book it was. Yeah, I knew you were going to ask that. <laughs> it was either, um, you know, Dr. Hallowell or Amen, yeah. one, one of the two. I don't okay. remember exactly which one. I should be, it's probably buried somewhere since uh, I've, it was uh, when I, I've had a couple of moves and I have some books still in storage. It's probably still in there. In fact, I'm going to go dig it out so that it's I can answer. the most important book you've ever read, Shal. Yes, I know. <laughs> I have so many more though since then, but right. You know, right. Uh, so yeah. what has changed since you were diagnosed? What has changed? Well, I would say one of the biggest changes that I, I've learned how to accept myself for who I am, accept my diagnosis and accept my limitations and be able Mm -hmm. to manage, I can manage certain aspects of my ADHD that I wasn't even aware of before, but now I'm more, since I'm more aware of it, then I, I, I can actually manage them a little bit better. Not always, not perfectly, but that's kind of how it is pretty much with anything. The thing is though, now you have a reason, not an excuse, right? Exactly. Oh my gosh, I understand how my brain works. Yes, yes. And why this particular thing is hard for me. Yes. And also I have to say that age helps. The older you get, you just start to know yourself better and to know what you want and what you don't want. And I think when I used to blow things off when I was younger, 
I realize it's because I just didn't like doing them or they just weren't things. But I used to feel carry a lot of guilt about that. I don't do that anymore. I just sift and sort. If I like this, I do it. If I don't like it, there's a reason and I'm not going to do a good job at it or it's not, I'm not going to be focused on it unless it's something, you know, obviously that I have to do like pay bills or things like that. But I've also learned to have allow other people to help me out. Whereas I, I wouldn't do that before. I'm more cognizant of those who want me to change and, and speak to me about it versus those who I know love me, but just want me to listen more often. Yes, exactly. They're your people, right? Those are my people. They just want me to listen more often. Right. And my son falls in that category. So, you know, what I, he had been trying to tell me for years about things that were important to him and I would not listen you know, I just wouldn't listen. Now I listen. So it's, it's a difference. It's kind of like night and day, actually. Uh, it sounds it, all good. Yeah. Um, also, when, once I got the diagnosis, I had been a career counselor and I, for the entire time and always enjoyed my work. But I realized that now I want to work exclusively with our tribe of adults yeah. and young adults because oh my gosh, we speak the same language. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you have instant credibility, right? Because you've been through it. You understand intimately what they're going through. Yes. Yes. So that was such a brilliant segue, Shell. So I would love to know how long have you been working as a career coach exclusively for those with ADHD? Well, following my diagnosis in 2010, mm-hmm. that's when I started. So it's Mm -hmm. been since 2010. And how did that start? Was it just this immediate light bulb that, okay, I'm going to go back to what I love, but this time I'm going to work with people that are my people? It was gradual, I think, but it was a decision that I made. So then I started connecting with our community of other professionals and started, you know, learning more about ADHD in general for myself and how it impacts me and how it impacts others. And then I just started asking for people to work with me who have ADHD. And it took, it took a while, you know, it didn't happen overnight, but uh, now it's pretty much blossomed and it's, I'm doing very well with that. And uh, it's like anything, you know, I made a shift and it took a little while to develop that but I was very clear that that was what I wanted to do and the direction I wanted to go. And so everything that I did from that point on onward with my uh, career coaching and counseling was to develop more and more strategies to help people with ADHD who are going through career shifts. So, so yeah. Do you think that, ADHD adults have a harder time making good career decisions? I don't know if they have a harder time. I think the thing that generally I hear is that they have so many ideas and they don't know how to make the decision. They don't know how to sort it out. They don't know where to start. And when you have too many ideas, that's when a lot of people procrastinate and do nothing. They won't even do any research in a certain area or find out 
anything about it because they think, well, uh, there's there's this other thing that I might want to do. So if I spend too much time trying to find out about this one thing, then I might leave something on the table. So I'm just not going to research anything and I'm just going to keep like digging for new ideas. Exactly. Exactly. So what do you do? Well, that's what I do. I'm the gap filler. Oh, the gap filler. Okay, what does it mean to be the gap filler? So what it is, is that, you know, and this is my work in general that I've been doing for so many years, but now it's it's so, uh, t- so much tweaked and focused on people with ADHD. But in the beginning, I've always done this kind of work with people who struggled with the whole idea of what, what the heck do I do? What do I want? I mean, if you ask 100 people, what do I want in a career? How many people are going to be able to articulate an answer? Clearly, not very many, right? Maybe one percent. Well, <laughs> yeah, because we do something similar. You just take it much farther than I do. And I love what you say is, I am not an ADHD coach. I am a career coach who works exclusively with ADHD adults. Um, yes, yes. So many coaches say, I do everything. And we can't do everything. So- What I do is I work with ADHD women just to build that foundation so they can finally start to trust themselves. Who am I really? What do I stand for? What should I do with my life? But then that's all I do. So you would be a perfect adjunct to what I do because it sounds like you then take it further than that. Okay. So tell me what your system looks like because clearly you have a system. Yes, I do. And it's based on what color is your parachute. So that's where I start. It was, uh, it's a process and it is a structure to where the individual takes a deep dive into all the aspects of what would make up an ideal job. And, you know, we don't look for ideals. We look for things that we're strongly interested in, things that we're energized by, things that make us feel good and give us a boost. And you know, with ADHD, that those things are important. Yeah. And so getting positive emotion, that pot, it's a, it's a feeling game, right? It's a feelings process. So I don't do assessments. I used to give a lot of assessments as a voc rehab counselor. I never tell me what you mean by assessments. Well, the, this, like the strong quizzes. Yeah, the ones that ask you different questions, but they somehow leave out the questions that you need to answer for yourself. This is more of a deeper dive, and it doesn't compare you with the answers other people would give Uh, for the same question. Yeah. It only compares, allows you to really uh, be open and look at things starting from a very broad perspective and bringing it on down to where I call it the cream rises to the top over a period of identifying what skills you love to use, people, you know, the different aspects. We go very deep into working conditions because we know that with ADHD, if we're in the wrong environment, under the wrong conditions, that has a great impact on our work. Can you talk more about that? What do you mean by working conditions? What I mean is I break it down into two types of conditions. One is physical, are the physical conditions, the actual things that we work with, the things we're surrounded by, like the colors that we're surrounded by, the lighting we're surrounded by, the flooring, where we're working. Like in my office, I I have everything kind of 
exactly the way I want it. I have my desk the way I want it. I have a little ottoman underneath, so I have my legs elevated, which I, I love. I have the, the chair I love using. I can look out the window and to trees and watch the squirrels go by. I have my dog next to me, <laughs> who is very quiet and always wonderful. Me too. Yeah, I can't work without my dog. So he's like a He's not a service dog, but he's kind of a service dog when it comes to my work because I just love seeing seeing him just kind of crashed out well, on the He's nature, on the right? And we feel good around nature. It makes we sense. Do. Absolutely. So I work on my own, but it's also the physical surroundings of your work environment. How big do you want to work in a in an office? Do you want to have your own office? Do you need to have your own office? And if so, what do you want that office to look like? What are the what do you want the desk to look like? How big does it need to be? What kind of equipment do you want to be using? Or do you need to use? What make of equipment? I mean, I have I have my clients drill down to the details of all of that. Really drill down. So that's the physical aspect. The non-physical would be things like the culture, the diversity, uh, the talk, is it toxic? You know, what is a non-toxic working environment? What would that look like for you? All the unspoken things like the HR, whether or not it is, uh, what the dress code is, uh, whether it is more authoritarian, which a lot of people do work in that, in that kind of environment. Uh, whether when I say dress code, I mean, do you need to just, do you, not want to have to spend a fortune on dressing up every day. Uh, your commute, your do you want do you want a hybrid situation where you're working at home part time, and then going into an office or going into a space where other people are there? Do you want to need to be working with teams? Do you need, you know, these are these are more the non physical kinds of aspects. It all I just I I break it down just to make it easier to sort of sift and sort some of this stuff. But th that's what I mean. There's so many elements that how a company is run, the mission of the company, are they adhering to that? Do they give instructions, clear instructions? Is there enough? Do you have an assistant? Do you need an assistant? Do Can you switch work, work tasks? How flexible are they in terms of allowing you to even go to the bathroom <laughs> and take breaks? Is there mandatory overtime? And I always tell people do not do mandatory overtime unless you're paid a lot. And uh, how many hours a week do you want to work? And B, this is where it's really important to be honest about what you're doing and what you want. And that's the hardest thing. I think that these are the things assessments don't get to, right? They don't get to the heart of, what is truly important to you on a very deep level and what are all those ADHD factors that need to come into it so that, you know, you're not distracted when you need to get work done. You can wear headphones if you need to, you have your, you can have pictures on the wall um, of your family of you can pick your own furniture in your office. If that's, if these things are important to you, they need to be stated clearly. And that's kind of the thing that we talk about. You know, this makes so much sense because we're such creatures of specificity, yet yes. we can be all over the place. 
and perhaps not always focusing on the things that are most important. Like we don't stop to take the time to do all of this, but think about like if you're a young adult and you know all of these things about yourself right out of the gate, how much better your career trajectory will be because you're in the right place doing the right kind of work, right? With the right people. I love to get them early. Get them young. <laughs> not, not, I don't work with high school kids, but I do work with kids. I, I work with young adults. So people just coming out of college and still lost. Um, so I have had a few, a few people occasionally who are still like in maybe their second year of college to, before they make that critical decision about what major they want. So even though I don't do that, I hope to train people at some point who will take on that population of high school kids uh, that really need to be doing this work. I mean, this is the kind of work that none of us really got. It was never mandatory. Uh, there's, there is no um, roadmap for doing this kind of thing. It's all guesswork. We're supposed to be left to figure out this huge critical decision about what it is that we want to be doing in well, our lives. We have a lot of the people who advise us, frankly, have their own agenda, right? I mean, even parents who love you, right? There are yeah. certain things that we think we know better about our kids than, frankly, they, and, and it's not true. They know better. They know better. And also, one of the things I do in the, uh, Masterclass is I tell people don't have a conversation with anyone other than the people in this group during the eight weeks that you're with us. <laughs> so okay, you, so, you so are relieved of having to get that input. So your program is it's eight weeks and they're with other people who are going through the same thing that they're going through. Exactly. Oh, I love it. I love it. Um, so I have to tell you when I was 27, I had been practicing law for about a year and a half. And, you know, I became a lawyer because I wanted to become a dentist because my dad was a dentist. I had no aptitude, no interest. I, I, it would have killed me, but I wanted to be a dentist. And then I almost flunked out of UC Davis. That's where I did my undergrad. So I remember going to the career counselor's office and I said, I'm going to have to change my major because I'm going to flunk out of school. <laughs> and he's like, well, what are you going to change it to? And in my family, and I have a fantastic family, and they wanted the best for me, but it was doctor, dentist, lawyer. And I said to him, well, I'm not going to make it in dentistry. And if I'm not going to make it in dentistry, I'm certainly not going to make it in medicine because it's the same kind of classes, right? So I think the only option left to me is I need to be a lawyer. I'd watched a lot of Perry Mason reruns with my mom. And he looked at me and he said, Tracy, that is not how you choose a major. And I'm like, well, that's how I choose a major. So that's how I ended up in law school. So a year and a half after practicing, I'm sitting in my first career counselor's office and she gives me one of these assessments. And <laughs> my personality was the closest to a shepherd. And I remember thinking, well, the last time I checked any kind of job board or want ads or whatever they did in that time, I don't remember ever seeing a call for a shepherd. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was useless. Of course, now, today, when I look back on it, it was actually quite prescient, right? Because mm -hmm. I feel a lot of times like I'm shepherding, you know, ADHD yes. women. But yeah, it's so useless because 
you're outside yourself, right? You're comparing yourself to all of these other people, which really it should come from inside out rather than outside in, right? Like trying to fit yourself into these boxes. Yeah. And some of, some of the things like being a shepherd, like for me, it was cheerleader and teacher. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is you need to put it into perspective, right? And I see, you know, I have people go through different exercises about things that they remember being excited about doing when they were younger. And that's kind of the first thing that we do. But there's a way to look at how some of the stuff comes up for you over and over. And there's a lot of repetition that you want to look at. And then you, you need to sit, you, you need to sort of make those connections like you did with the shepherd, right? That's exactly the kind of nuance that we, we talk about because it is not a straightforward, you should be this or that list here, are the top 10 jobs that people with ADHD can plug into or the top, you know, should do or should look at. No, every, everything is open for people with ADHD. There is no limitation on that. It's just, what is it that you are attracted to? What excites you? What is it that you can start, begin to do and expand in over time? So I like to use the analogy of a tree trunk being the foundation. And for me, the foundation for me, was always education. Uh, Because from the time I was a kid, I wanted to be a teacher. I just didn't know what kind of teacher, right? And it took, then it took the form of coaching and counseling because I wanted to help people. So I brought those two things together. And then eventually, here I am teaching, coaching, counseling, doing all of those things, which I've done for years, and never gotten bored, right? But my foundation was always education, And the branches of, I I use the tree model because the branches are things that you would expand into over the years that you might try one aspect of education. Maybe that doesn't work out so well. Then you try something else, maybe curriculum development, teaching in a university. There's so many different ways that you can take it, right? Developing an online course, (laughs) So many different ways that you can take it, but just being open to the idea that you have this foundation that you're working from, you never get bored when you have that. You never, never will get bored. And so that is where we, I try, work very hard in my support and coaching to help people identify that for themselves. What is that foundation? What I love that you're saying, because I too, like I see these ridiculous articles about, you know, top 10 things, people with ADHD careers, right? And it's such BS because (laughs) what makes ADHD so hard to diagnose is every single person with ADHD is different. And we have this idea that, and this is what I learned certainly on this podcast is I thought, oh, well, because I hate money numbers and all that, everybody with ADHD must be bad with that. Everybody with ADHD must be terrible at administrative type tasks. And it's so not true. If that is your interest, if that's your thing, like the best people I have discovered about money have ADHD because, you know, that's their area of hyper-focus and they do it in a creative way that frankly works for my brain. So I love that you're saying that. Now, I've heard you talk about being a job creator versus a job beggar. What does that mean? Our brains want it all. 
We love anything that is new, bright, sparkly, different. But that's often what keeps us distracted and feeling all over the place. So I have something that I know can help you. It's my free masterclass called What Do I Do With My Life From Chaos to Confidence? This popular class will give you the tools to make faster, more confident decisions that actually serve you so you're doing what you really want to do instead of what others are telling you that you should do. You know, we try so hard to fit in when in reality, that's the problem. With our ADHD brains, our brilliant ADHD brains, we're not meant to fit in. We're actually meant to stand out. So that begs the question, where are we actually meant to stand out? Join me at spyhappy.me forward slash MC. That's spyhappy.me forward slash MC. And let's find out together. Now, let's get back to our podcast. So being a job creator versus a job beggar. What does that mean? I love that you've heard me. Yeah, I've heard you. <laughs> so yeah, that's a great question. So everything that we do is basically fodder, if you will, for having an interview, if you uh, finding the right uh, company to interview with, the right position to go for, and walking in with sheer confidence. And knowing that you're going to be asking questions, right? You're, you're going to be asking questions of them as they are of you. And if you go in with the idea that you are interviewing them to make sure that the fit is there, that it's always going to be a win-win, right? So a job beggar is someone who goes in because they're desperately in need of a job and they may tick off all the boxes that would qualify them to do that job. So yeah, there's no contest there. Their resume shows that they have experience in all of this, but their reason for being there is not because they've chosen that necessarily, but because they have to get a job. And the job creator is the person who's identified that company for the reasons they match it. It's literally matched up with the roadmap that they've created. And they're going in asking very specific questions that become win-win kinds of questions instead of saying you have you don't have to reveal that you have ADHD but you can say when i have these kind of conditions i will perform beyond your expectation when i am able to i can pe- perform beyond your expectation and really go at it from a win-win perspective because you already know that this may or may not be the place that you want it. First, you think it, it may be, but if you get hints that they're responding in a way that is not going to be friendly to you, uh, like they're hesitating when you ask the question, it's always okay to say, you know, this isn't a great fit. This may not be the best fit for me. And the first time you do that, what a powerful thing to do, to say, Instead of setting yourself up for a lose-lose kind of thing. And the other thing that I, the first question I always suggest people ask is, is the position that I'm interviewing for today the position I will be doing on day one? And uh, 
the reason for that is that may, very often they say, oh, well, yes, you are. We are hiring for this position. We first want you to work for a few months in this position. And anyone listening to this is going to, most people are going to know what I'm talking about. This happens, the bait and switch thing happens a lot. I didn't know this, but it's been so long since I've worked for anyone, like decades. Yeah. yeah. Well, really? I hear it. I hear it all the time. I haven't oh either, but I hear it. And is this specific to like tech or just kind of across the board? I think it's, you know, a lot, uh, pretty much across the board. Wow. Pretty much across the board. And for people with ADHD, if they are not going into the job that they know would be the best fit for them, and then they're put into something else, that could be the kiss of death right there. Uh, Like, how are they going to do something? They have no idea what it is. They don't know if it's going to be a good fit for them. It's going to not tick any of those boxes are very few. And that can be a real setup for failure right there. So asking that question and watching how they respond to that is very, very important. So you you need to take your cues from the person interviewing you as to whether or not the culture of this is the right culture, the way they respond to their employees is going to be in a way that supports them. If you very often I hear one of the things that people are, especially nowadays, many companies value the profits more than they value their employees. And no matter what the employees ask for, they don't listen because the money is more important. Do you want to work for a company like that? And because it is, uh, you might think it's like the uh, top 10 of whatever, a great company, you need to understand that if you go to work for a company like that, when you need to have your needs met with a, as a person with ADHD, that may or may not happen. In fact, it, it rarely does in that kind of situation. So, you, yeah, go ahead. Do you think people are getting better, young people specifically, because it sounds like you work with a lot of young people. I do, They're yeah. getting better about really identifying what they're, you know how I, I, certainly like our generation where, and honestly, it was before our generation where you would just stay in a job and you would just take it because it was a job. Of course, you know, there were benefits and there were all kinds of things that we don't see as much of today. But I'm, I'm curious if this younger generation is just much less willing to be in a career or a job where they don't feel appreciated. They don't feel like they're, you know, uh, doing what they love to do, all of those things. In general, yes, I think that's mm. true. Uh, and especially, again, with the diagnosis, because if your working conditions aren't in line with what you need, then that could be the first thing a lot some companies do is, I don't know, I talk sometimes about the uh, PIP programs. Are you familiar with those? What's a PIP program? No, Perfor- obviously. Performance Improvement Program. And it's a, it's what they do. It's a, it's the next step to getting fired. Oh, you're already in line to be let go at that point. And then they make it almost impossible for you to do the work. They give you extra tasks, different tasks. They test you in many ways. And, you know, can you imagine Sounds being, like a nightmare? It is literally a nightmare. And I work with people who've been in those programs coming into uh, working with me and it, they're almost not quite ready to be there. 
because I, you know, I just want to go save them. <laughs> That's how I feel. I just want to say quit tomorrow. Just quit. Right. Leave. Right. Walk out. That would be your choice, right? That would, that would be my choice. Yeah. But, you know, I asked, the first question I asked him is, do you have enough money that you can kind of float for a while uh, to pay your bills or get things done so that you can quit and be the one to take the position of, I'm not going to work in a situation that's not good for me. Uh, and recognize that and recognize that that can, it is, people get sick and die from that kind of thing. Absolutely. Cause it's the stress, right? The cortisol. Yeah. And that's not just with people with ADHD. That's with people who stay in jobs. In fact, people with ADHD, I'd say job hop, get fired, do a lot more of those things, have those things happen than people without ADHD. But that doesn't mean the people that are sticking around in jobs they shouldn't be in aren't being impacted. Okay. So how do you know if you're in the wrong job or the wrong career? Well, I mean, how do you feel about your work? Ah. Are you enjoying any aspect of it? How mm. much of the workday are you doing uh, using the skills you enjoy using, doing the kinds of tasks you enjoy doing? Or are you made to do tasks that you don't enjoy and maybe 2% of the time you get to occasionally do something you enjoy? You, you really, I mean, it's basically how you feel. How you feel on a day-to-day -day basis. Are you drained? Are you at the end of the day. If you're energized doing your work and the day go goes by very quickly, that's a good positive sign, obviously. But if you're drained and you're feeling let down and discouraged and why am I here? Another thing that people need to look for is if you're ever asking yourself, what good am I doing in this job? What purpose am I serving? by being here. How is this helping the world in any way? What is this doing to contribute to society or contribute in a way that's bigger than myself? That's another question that people begin to answer, sometimes not for a little while, maybe in their later 30s or whatever, but I'm hearing younger people more and more expressing that. So can I ask you, I have this belief and I actually did a little poll a couple of years ago in my big Facebook group. And I asked, um, do you feel like you have a need to live a life of meaning and to make a difference that's stronger than your peers? And 98% of people that responded said yes. In fact, there was only one person who said no. That doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. I'm curious yeah. if you feel that way about people who have ADHD, that we just need to be in purpose or yes. we're just not as happy. I'm glad you said that. Yes, we are very purpose-driven. Mm -hmm. And I always have been from the time I was a little kid. Uh, I've been purpose-driven and I didn't recognize it as being that. But I always wanted to make a difference. And that always was, I mean, if I was doing something that was, the thing, the times that I hated my work were the times I was not make, feeling that I was making a difference of any kind. And that's when I didn't do a good job. It's like, if the good thing about having ADHD is that if you don't enjoy what you're doing, you're not going to last long in a bad situation and one that you don't like. Again, people without non-ADHD or uh, neurotypical people 
can often stay for years in those kinds of situations. And then uh, I do tell a story of my, my cousin who died at 64 mm. because he stayed in a job that he hated for so many years just so he could retire. Oh. It was, and he was like my brother to me, right? And you couldn't talk him out of it, huh? I couldn't talk. I tried. I tried. I begged him to leave. I begged It'll him. It'll kill you. Yeah. And uh, so he finally retired. And within two years, he had, uh, he died of um, cancer. Oh, Joe. Within two years. And he was one of the healthiest people I had ever met in terms of physically healthy. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, he exercised ad nauseum. He was, uh, and he was neurotypical, but he stuck it out for retirement. <laughs> oh, my God. And he didn't last more than two years before he was diagnosed with a deathly illness. I and, think people, they don't understand that when you're under that much stress every single day for at least eight hours a day, it affects your heart rate, your blood pressure, your immune system, like it affects everything and it makes you sick. It does. It does. It's so sad. It's sad, but you know what? The good news is that people with ADHD, we tend to recognize it sooner. And I am meeting a few fired. Yeah, or we get fired or something. What happens is we can we can maintain that trying to fit ourselves into uh, a round, what is it, the, the term? A square, square peg into the round hole. Into the round hole for just so long. Right. Trying, trying well, to figure it out. And what then, I would say is we're the ones that are like, what the hell? Why, are, why do we even care that there's a hole in the first place, right? Exactly. But, you know, so what, so people who've tried and tried and tried, they're, those are my clients. You know, they come to me and they go, I, I can't figure it out. Like I've tried to figure it out. I've tried to stay. I was actually pretty good at this thing. They liked me. I was able to do blah, blah, blah. But there was something just not working. I wasn't, and it wasn't your ability. It's like when I got fired from all those secretarial jobs, it wasn't because I couldn't do the work. Uh-huh. It was my attitude. <laughs> and it was because I hated the work. I hated it. Just hated it, but I was good at it, right? So people, when the, the first thing they say to me is that I'm so I'm good at these things and my strengths, and I go, it's not about what you're good at. It's not about your strengths. It's about what skills do you love using. Well, and I think a lot of people with ADHD are actually good at a lot of things. Yeah, just because it, you're good at it doesn't mean you should be doing it, right? For and the rest of your life. And in fact, they t- when when an employer recognizes that you're good at mm. something, yeah, they might put you have you do more of that thing, not less of it, more of it, and maybe sometimes exclusively that thing that you don't like, just because you're good at it. So yeah, no, it doesn't work. <laughs> I could talk to you all day, Shell. We are definitely peas in a pod. <laughs> But remember at the that. beginning, you wanted to talk about, or you, you asked, do you care about my strengths? And I said, we're going to leave that to the end. So I want to know, what are the ADHD traits that you feel are responsible for your success? 
I think uh, the the fact that I am a creative person, my creativity, problem solving, I can synthesize information and make it into something. I love to do that, right? I love to develop ideas that I have. Uh, some some hit, stick, and some don't. But I've had quite a few stick, and those are the ones that I get a lot of energy around, like uh, doing. I'm working on uh, developing a workbook right now, and that is just so much fun. It really is uh, creating. Being, I like being a mover. It's helped me to become a mover and shaker because I feel like people with ADHD underneath it all, that's who we are. We're the movers and shakers. We're the ones that develop the products and the services, the things we come up with the ideas for these things. And we, and we sometimes follow through and, and get them done. Uh, and also knowing what I, I don't like and avoiding doing those things or mm-hmm. the people that I don't want to be around anymore, which I, I'm saying the older you get, the more you're For me, it's easier for me to sift and sort that way than it was before without guilt, right? Without guilt. Uh, not doing things I don't want to do or finding ways to make the things I have, I have to do more fun. That's a big one for me. You got to. You got to make it fun. Totally. And and you can, even things that you really dislike doing, there are ways to make it fun, right? There There are ways to make it fun, like cleaning the house. Okay, well, I'm going to put on some cool music and I'm going to, you know, take a break every five minutes. Oh my God. See, if I took a break, I wouldn't get back in there. So once I go, I just have to keep going. It's getting me into it. Yeah. what do you think the key to living successfully with ADHD is? Well, I think uh, staying open to new ideas, staying curious, uh, knowing when when you're stopping yourself from moving forward with an idea, being aware of that. The awareness part of it helps. Um, I think if you, because for so many years I went through being undiagnosed and being kind of on another planet, like not really knowing what the heck was going on. But now that I know, then you, you actually can do something. And sometimes you don't do the thing you're supposed to do, but more often I do than I don't. Um, And so I don't stop myself from looking into doing something because I've predetermined the outcome. Uh Uh, and also outsourcing. <laughs> oh my God. That's a huge one. Outsourcing everything. Yes. <laughs> I don't want to do. Yeah. Outsourcing is the, that's the only way to live. Seriously. And, and I think that as women, we just feel like we need to do everything. We should do everything. And I will tell you that what I really wanted to do, my business did not start taking off until I started got help. Right. Me too. And once yeah. I got help, there was someone like I have an assistant now for, um, two and a half years, almost three years. And I could not do the half of what I do without her because she creates the structure. And so, whereas before I might be working on this and then I just let it slide this, and then I'd let it slide this. And, and I would never follow through on any of those things. She's built structure around all those things to the point of, okay, Tracy, this newsletter is going out at 1130 a.m. on Thursday. If you don't go in and do your edits, it's going without you. Like those, you know, that kind of structure, that's what motivates me. Yeah. So we all, all us coaches, we need a v- good VA. Shout out to Ann Barton. 
Now, who's uh, Ann Barton? She's my VA, and she has changed. She's like you. She has created the structure for everything that I do and keeps me on track, gets things out with my name on it that make me look great. Ooh, and then you have all the time for the creativity, right? And all the ideas. I get to do my work. Exactly. I get to do my work and I and and really focus on the thing I enjoy doing and do the best at. Right. You know? So that's yes, I, I think outsourcing anything that you really don't want to be doing, because if you try and force yourself to do something you really don't want to be doing, then it will either take you too long to do it and it won't get fully done or you're just going to crash and burn, you know. And friends, that means housekeeping as well. There are people that do this much better than you do. No man, if you think of like a bachelor, nobody's ever going to say, oh my God, he has a housekeeper. Oh, how indulgent, you know, how... It just, it makes me crazy because every single time I get that pushback and then the person goes and hires someone, they're like, I didn't realize there was so much positive emotion. I wake up in the morning, I go into my kitchen, everything's organized. My day starts with positive emotion, right? Yes. There you go. I happen to like doing dishes. I call it dish meditation. I don't, I don't mind. Honestly, I'm a (laughs) cleaner. But I need someone every other week to just come in and do the big stuff, which honestly, I'm never going to do. I just, I have two dogs and, you know, we live in the country and, but she loves it. She's good at it. And we pay really well for it. Right. It's worth it. It's worth it. So other than Ann Barton, what is your number one ADHD workaround? I would say I would have to go back to outsourcing. It's true, though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just offloading stuff is really the thing that, that works for me now. And without guilt, though, because I used to spend so much time trying to do, especially in the beginning when I was trying to get my business going, all the doing all the marketing, all the every single piece of it. And now it's like I just if I want to write an article, I write an article uh, and now I discovered I love to be a podcast interviewee. <laughs> well, you're I good at it. it. You should do them. <laughs> More I, of them. I know. I do. Well, I did. I've done quite a few of them this year, and it's been the most fun I've had since I started working in this field, honestly. I love it. Maybe you need your own podcast. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. No, Tracy. There are so many ADHD podcasts, though. It's it's kind of uh, like, you know, there's just like one after another these days. Yeah. I, I, I thought about everybody. doing that. I did think about doing that. I do like interviewing people, but I don't like all the pieces involved in the podcast situation. No, I just, and I don't, I, I finding the right people to do it. I don't have the energy for that because I've got other um I just want to get the word out now. That's the, the thing is I just want people to know about this, that this work exists, that this gap can be filled, that you don't have to struggle to figure this stuff out. But you do have to be committed to, you know, taking a deeper dive and really going for it. Uh, Again, so if you set yourself up with the right foundation, which this is fun work too, because what they're figuring out is who more of who they are. Who they right? are. 100%. And once we know who we are, 
Yeah. We don't take anything but the best for who we are because we understand ourselves. I can't tell you the difference between when people start in the process and they end with a level of confidence that you cannot, there's, you cannot bottle that. It's incredible. The confidence, I now have the tools. I now see what I've done wrong in the past in terms of my perception of how this stuff works and the way I should be looking at all of this. It's new for most people. They have Most people have not been given this kind of perspective. They haven't. They haven't. But once they get it and they have the tools for really making these kinds of decisions, it's like night and day. It really is. So seeing the confidence level go up is what warms my heart more than anything. Absolutely. So Shell, are you working on something that you want to tell us about? Yes, I am. I mentioned the workbook. Uh, It is going to be a parachute-inspired workbook for adults and young adults with ADHD. Wonderful. I know. There's nothing out there. I've checked. There's nothing like it out there. It's And I'm... Uh, working with a publishing company now, and they told me to say it should launch towards the end of September. Oh my so, gosh, that's quick. It doesn't feel like it. <laughs> it feels like it's taking forever. Yeah, um, it's a slow process for me. I don't know. I just want it to go quicker, but uh, it's been really fun writing it and putting the pieces of it together, making it ADHD friendly from a physical perspective. Mm-hmm as well as just breaking things down, making it more graphic. And I'm changing the system I do. So it's not exactly the same as what I've been doing all along, but it's my, my thing. And um, adding all the pieces that I've developed over the past 15 years for, for adults with ADHD uh, to make it easier to navigate the process. And it's just, and I'm going to do an audio companion with it. So it'll Sounds be pretty cool. Wonderful. So where can people find you if they want to know more about you and what you do? So the baseline for working with me is taking the Your Next Career Move Masterclass. And that is careercoachingwithshell.com, S-H-E-L-L. Uh, and you can, there's a little video there that kind of gives you like a minute and a half of what it what the class is, and then you can read more about the master class and get it. And then I'd be happy to talk to you. Sign up for okay. an intro call. So it's careercoachingwithshell.com. And um, this will be in our show notes. Now, are there any other platforms that you're on, like Facebook or Instagram or Twitter? Or I got off of Twitter because I was finding it wasn't super useful for what I do, but I am on LinkedIn. Ah, okay. Prominently and Facebook. I I am at Career Coaching with Shell on Facebook. Uh, What about LinkedIn? uh, LinkedIn. Oh God, you would ask. I sent it to you. So I know I'm reading it right now. (laughs) Yeah. I always forget. I think it's passion to career. It is. It's your passion to career on LinkedIn. On LinkedIn, your passion to career, right? Shows. Yeah. It was such a pleasure spending time with you here today. And it's been a pleasure speaking with you, Tracy. You're a breath of fresh air, seriously. Oh, well, thank you. So that's what I have for you for this week. If you like this episode with Shell, please let us know by leaving a review. 
Our goal is to change the conversation around ADHD, helping as many women as we possibly can learn how their ADHD brains work so that they too may discover their amazing strengths. Before I go, don't forget to check out my live coaching program, Your ADHD Brain is A-OK. There's also a private community, and you can find out more information at spyhappy.me forward slash A-OK. And if you sign up now with the code podcast SASS, you'll get $500 off just for being a podcast listener. As always, you're listening to ADHD for Smartass Women. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you here next week. You've been listening to the ADHD for Smartass Women podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Outsuka, and we're available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Not coincidentally, ADHD for Smartass Women, it's also the name of our free Facebook group. We're a totally smartass community of successful, ambitious women who share our ADHD wins, questions, and workarounds. Join us at tracyoutsuka.com, where you can also find more information on our Your ADHD Brain is A-OK system. I spy a happier life for us, and I'll see you again next week.